Hello, parents, guardians, and caregivers. As usual, I'd like to take a moment before the podcast to thank you for choosing me to read to your children and to you for the next half hour or so. You can find the list of stories and songs in the show notes, and you can also find a link to my link tree that has ways that you can support this podcast. I'd also like to take a minute to let you know that all of your reviews on your various platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening, your reviews matter. It helps more young people and their families find Raggedy Auntie's podcast. Today's news is an announcement that I have suddenly added a live Instagram reading of a favorite Dave Eggers book, Her Right Foot, on the 4th of July. Now, it's going to be early that day since most people have festivities. It's going to be about breakfast time. So we're going to read at 8 o'clock a.m. live on Instagram, and that's Eastern time. So if you're central, it might be 7 o'clock, but many of my sweet friends are already awake at that time. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so glad that you are here. Hello, my sweet friends. It's nice to see you again. Come along and read with me. It's my favorite place to be when Raggedy Auntie reads. Hello, my sweet friends. Welcome back to the book nook. I'm Raggedy Auntie, and I am so excited about today's episode. You know, there are a lot of stories about a lot of different animals, and we've certainly heard many of them recently. But today, we're going to focus on stories about birds. Birds talk to each other by singing and by tweeting, and sometimes they chatter, chatter, chatter with their bills or their beaks. Birds are so interesting, and oh, goodness, if I could fly like a bird, that would be amazing. And birds can be pretty silly, too. Today, we have a couple of poems and one really interesting story and a song from Canada that's in French. Let's get started. Our first poem is about a titmouse. Now, that might sound like one of those little critters that run around on the ground, but it's not. A titmouse is actually a bird, and it has a very special song that you will hear during this poem. See if you can spot it. The Titmouse's Nest by Mary Howitt There, where those boughs of blackthorn cross, behold that oval ball of moss. Observe it near, all knit together, moss, willow down, and many a feather, and filled within as you may see, as full of feathers as can be, whence it is called by country folk a fitting name, the feather poke. But learned people, I have heard, paracaudatus call the bird. Yes, here's a nest, a nest indeed, that doth all other nests exceed, propped with the blackthorn twigs beneath, and festooned with a woodbine wreath. Look at it close, all knit together, moss, willow down, and many a feather. So soft, so light, so wrought with grace, so suited to this greenwood place, and spangled o'er as with the intent of giving fitting ornament. With silvery flakes of lichen bright, 
that shine like opals, dazzling white. Think only of the creature small that wrought this soft and silvery ball without a tool to aid her skill, naught but her little feet, and Bill without a pattern whence to trace this little roofed-in dwelling place. And does not in your bosom spring love for this skillful little thing? See, there's a window in the wall. Peep in, the house is not so small but snug and cozy. You shall see a very numerous family. Now count them. One, two, three, four, five, nay, sixteen merry things alive. Sixteen young, chirping things all sit where you, your wee hand, could not get. I'm glad you've seen it, for you never saw aught before so soft and clever. Our next bird is called Robert of Lincoln. Now he also has a very special song and this poem is all about that kind of silly little song. Give it a listen. Robert of Lincoln by William Cullen Bryant. Merrily swinging on briar and weed near to the nest of his little dame, over the mountainside or mead, Robert of Lincoln is telling his name. Bobolink, Bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Snug and safe is this nest of ours, hidden among the summer flowers. Chee, chee, chee! Robert of Lincoln is gaily dressed, wearing a bright black wedding coat. White are his shoulders and white his crest. Hear him call in his merry note, Bobolink, Bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Look what a nice new coat is mine. Sure, there never was a bird so fine. Chee, chee, chee! Robert of Lincoln's Quaker wife, pretty and quiet, with plain brown wings, Passing at home a patient life, broods in the grass while her husband sings, Bobolink, Bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Brood, kind creature, you need not fear, thieves and robbers while I am here, chee, chee, chee. Modest and shy as a nun is she, one weak chirp is her only note. Braggart and prince of braggarts is he, pouring boasts from his little throat, Bobolink, Bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Never was I afraid of men. Catch me, cowardly knaves, if you can. Chee, chee, chee. Six white eggs on a bed of hay, flecked with purple. Ah, a pretty sight. There, as the mother sits all day, Robert is singing with all his might. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Nice good wife that never goes out. Keep house while I frolic about. Chee, chee, chee. Soon as the little ones chip the shell, six wide mouths are open for food. Robert of Lincoln bestirs him well, gathering seeds for the hungry brood. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. This new life is likely to be hard for a happy young fellow like me. Chee, chee, chee. Robert of Lincoln at length is made sober with work and silent with care. Off his holiday garment laid, half forgotten that merry air. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Nobody knows but my mate and I where our nest and our nestlings lie. Chee, chee, chee. Summer wanes and the children are grown. Fun and frolic no more he knows. 
Robert of Lincoln's a humdrum drone. Off he flies and we sing as he goes. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. When you can pipe that merry old strain, Robert of Lincoln, come back again. Chee, chee, chee. Now there were the sounds of lots of birds during that poem, but listen closely right now and you will hear the sound of the bobolink or Robert of Lincoln. Did that sound like the one in the story? Let's listen to it again. I think Robert of Lincoln just loves to perform. He has such a very unique call. And he's a... Excuse me? Why are you interrupting me? Uh... Quiet down, please, Robert of Lincoln. Oh, Robert, I know this isn't your favorite song, but it's a lot of fun to sing. And anyway, we're not going to do what it says. This next song was sung by French Canadians as they traveled down the river to look for birds. Now, this song is about a lark, an alouette. Gentil means very nice. So we sing alouette, gentil alouette, alouette, jete plumerais. And jete plumerais means... I'm going to pluck your feathers. Oh, goodness. It's not very nice, but we talk about how we're going to take its beak. We're going to take its feathers, and it can be very silly. We're not going to really pluck a bird's feathers. Calm down, Robert of Lincoln. But it's a fun song to sing, and it gets bigger and bigger as we add different places on the lark's body where we're going to take its little feathers. Have you ever played the game where you pretend to take somebody's nose? It's just like that. Let's sing. Alouette, gentil alouette, alouette, je te plumerai. Je te plumerai la tête, je te plumerai la tête, et la tête, et la tête. Alouette, 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 gentil alouette, alouette, je te plumerai. Je te plumerai la bec, je te plumerai la bec. Et la bec, et la bec, et la tête, et la tête. Alouette, 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 gentil alouette, alouette, je te plumerai. Je te plumerai la queue, je te plumerai la queue. Gentil alouette, alouette, je te plumerai. Je te plumerai le cul, je te plumerai le cul. Aide le cul, aide le cul, aide le dos, aide le dos, aide le cul, aide le cul, aide le bec, aide le bec, aide la tête, aide la tête. Alouette, alouette, alouette. Ah, 
<sighs> that was a hard song to sing. I hope that you had fun and some of you may have danced around. I like to dance with that song too. Our last story is about a very special owl. Now, owls eat mice. And this owl in particular has a very special dish that his mother used to make that he's going to try to make too. Let's see if Hooty the Owl can figure out how to make mouse roly-poly and what happens to those little mice that he plans to eat. It's a little bit of a mystery. Let's give it a listen. Hooty the Owl by Dolores McKenna. Chapter 1 Hooty the Owl lived in a hollow of an old oak tree and dozed and dozed and dozed all day long, or so it seemed to any of the little animals that came near him. But his big round eyes were so placed and so protected by feathers that he could see in every direction without moving his head. Hooty was not a very pleasant person. He had no neighbors and always went prowling at night when other folks were sleeping. Hooty had no family, probably because he was not a very agreeable person. His one great liking was mouse roly-poly. Mrs. Owl used to make delicious mouse roly-poly, and Hooty had not had one since his good mother had taken the children and moved to another tree many weeks ago. Mrs. Owl had been kind enough to say when any of her friends asked her about Hooty that his rheumatism was so bad it made him cross and she thought it best for him to be alone, at least until the other children were old enough to make homes for themselves. Hooty kept thinking and thinking and thinking about Mouse Roly-Poly until he became so hungry he could not stand it another minute and so he decided he'd make one for himself. I'm not just sure how Mother used to make it, said he, half to himself and half out loud. I know she made a dough and rolled the mice up in it snugly and baked it, but, oh, I can't just remember how long. <laughs> anyway, I'll just see how many mice I can get, and then I'll know how much dough I'll have to make. Chapter 2 now, in a field not far away, Jenny and Jerry Mouse lived with the cutest family of six, five little boys and one girl you ever saw. They were all fat and happy, for they played all day and slept all night without a thought of danger. This afternoon, when Hootie decided to make Mouse roly-poly, Mr. and Mrs. Jerry Mouse had gone to Mrs. Lamb's little shop to purchase some nice warm underwear for the children. They had no thought of fear, for they had lived there all summer, and no one had disturbed them. They were just returning with a bundle of nice, warm underwear and a lemon lollipop for each when they saw Hootie fly up out of the field with a market basket on his arm. Look, Jenny, said Jerry, did you see that? I don't like it. Hootie has not a very good reputation in this neighborhood, and I feel quite sure he has not come just to pay us a social call. Sure enough, when they got home, they found what they feared. The worst had happened. The children were gone. There were signs of a scuffle. Hootie had called and had taken their precious family. Oh, dear, what shall we do? cried poor Jenny, and she began to cry as if her little heart would break. 
Never mind, said Jerry. I know just where he lives, and I know someone who will help me get back our dear babies. Now stop crying and be a dear, brave little mother and help me. You know Mr. White Rat, who lives down near the gate? You remember how I helped him out of the trap in the barnyard, and he promised to do me a good turn? And now it's his chance. You stay here, and I will go and talk the matter over with him. Chapter 3 In the meantime, the poor little babies were crying themselves sick from fear and loneliness. You see, as I said before, they were such a happy family, father and mother seldom leaving them alone, and then only when they had to go to town to buy them new shoes or nice new clothes to wear to Sunday school or picnics. It really was surprising how fast they wore out their little shoes and clothes. It kept Mr. and Mrs. Mouse very busy providing for them. And so, of course, you can understand how frightened and unhappy these poor little babies were, shut up in Hootie's pantry while he studied out the way to make Mouse roly-poly. It was a very good thing for them that they did not know what Hootie intended to do with them, or I'm afraid they would have just passed out from fright before their father and his friend Mr. White Rat had time to rescue them. Chapter 4 after Hootie had tucked the mice away snugly in the pantry, he decided that he would not attempt to make the roly-poly himself, but he would invite his mother and all the children over to dinner, and then his mother, who was a most excellent cook, could make the roly-poly. Oh, first I will build a fire, said Hootie quite pleasantly to himself, and while the oven is getting hot, I'll go down and invite mother and the children. I do wish she could come without them thought he. They're such a nuisance. Just chatter and fuss all the time, but I suppose I'll just have to stand it. Mother's roly-poly is ever so much better than I could ever hope to make. <clears throat> I guess I'll just watch while she makes it, and then the next time I can do it myself. By this time, Hootie had gathered a nice armful of wood and put it down beside the stove. After taking a peep into the pantry to see if the mice were all right, he built a fire and then started off for his mother's. He locked the door carefully and hung the key on a nail back of his water pail, where no one would ever think of looking, and buttoning up his coat, started off. He had just turned the corner when Mr. White Rat and poor little Jerry Mouse came in sight. Mr. White Rat was a paper hanger, and he carried his ladder and pail. When Jerry asked him why he brought those things, he said, for two reasons, my little excited friend. First, if Hootie should see us, he would think Mrs. Hedgehog was doing her full cleaning and had hired me to paper her front parlor. Second, you see, Mr. Hootie lives one story up and the ladder might come in handy. Chapter 5 By this time, they were quite near Hootie's house, and so they went off the regular road and took a roundabout way up to the old gray house that Hootie called home. Putting down the ladder and pail, Mr. White Rat went round and round the house, listening very carefully. Finally, he said, here they are, and little Jerry almost jumped out of his shoes for joy, thinking Mr. White Rat had his darlings in his pocket. But Mr. White Rat had only discovered where they were. He had heard their little cries for help. No, Jerry, while I keep a sharp eye for Hootie, you go up the steps quietly and try the door. Be sure he doesn't jump out and grab you, or I'll have to save you as well as the babies. 
Jerry went cautiously up the steps, his poor little heart beating so hard he was afraid Hootie would hear it and think someone was knocking. But all was quiet. Jerry turned the knob ever so quietly and pushed hard on the door, but it wouldn't open. Then he looked around to see if the window was open, but it was not, so Jerry, heartbroken and discouraged, went back to Mr. White Rat. It seemed as if something dreadful must yet happen to his children before he could save them. Mr. White Rat had not been standing idly by, though, twiddling his thumbs. After he'd sent Jerry up the front way, he decided to put his ladder up to the pantry window, thinking that that was the most likely place Mr. Hootie to put his food. And besides, that seemed to be where he thought he heard the little fellows crying. Much to his surprise, he found the pantry window unlocked. He remembered now that he'd seen Hootie shaking out his tablecloth from that same window early that morning. This is certainly a look, he said to himself as he pushed up the window. I'm so glad I thought of bringing along the ladder. When the dear little mice in the basket heard the window pushed up, they thought sure that Hootie had returned. For a few minutes, they were very still. The Nibbly, who was a little bolder than the rest, ventured to look out. Can you imagine how glad he was when he saw their kind old neighbor, Mr. White Rat? Mr. White Rat did not ask any questions, but just picked up the basket and started out the window. When he reached the second rung of the ladder, he turned and put the window down carefully, and the little mice heard him chuckle to himself as he said, Ha ha, my, what a nice surprise is waiting for Hooty the Owl when he returns. Now, Jerry, said Mr. White Rat when they reached the ground, you just take the children and go home by the shortcut through the woods. I know Jenny is just sick from worry, and besides, I think it's safer. And... Picking up his ladder and pail, he started off the other way. Chapter 6 He had not gone far when he met Hootie, his mother, and all the children, and for a wonder, Hootie was quite pleasant. <clears throat> You're through work early today, Mr. White Rat, said Hootie. Oh, aye, Mr. Rat replied. This was not a regular job. Just a short one. But I must hustle on then now as this is house cleaning time and everyone wants his paper in and painting done at the same time. I hope you are satisfied with your work, Mrs. Owl. Oh my, yes, said Mrs. Owl, very much satisfied. I've been trying to persuade Hootie to have his house done, but he says it's good enough for him. Well, I guess it is, said Mr. White Rat as he passed on smiling to himself. He had kept them talking long enough to give Jerry and the children a chance to get home. Before Hootie went into the house, he gathered another large armful of wood. I like my roly-poly nice and brown, said he. Here, mother, is one of your aprons. You left it here, and I thought you'd like to wear it so as not to get flour on your clean dress. And now for the mice. They are the fattest little ones I ever saw. Oh, my mouth just waters when I think of that roly-poly. And Hootie went to fetch the basket. It's gone, he exclaimed as he opened the door. It's gone, it's gone. <laughs> What's gone? asked the mother. Why the basket? Well, why make such a fuss about a basket, my dear, said his mother. I have plenty down at my house and you may have another. 
but you don't understand. The mice were in it, and they're gone too. Perhaps not, said his mother, who was secretly a bit disappointed too. You may put it somewhere else. Look in the woodshed or the spare room closet. No, said Hooty. It's no use looking. Uh, no, I put the basket right here on the shelf. But the thing I can't understand is how they got away. This window is unlocked, but they could not have jumped down, for it's much too high, and besides, they couldn't take the basket with them. Hooty raised the window, looked out, and there, standing on its end, was the empty basket. But wise as Hooty is, he could not make out how those six little mice, basket and all, could get to that window, jump out, and get away unhurt. Hooty, with his usual unpleasant disposition, could not help showing how disappointed he was. But when his mother suggested that if the children would go over to Mr. Harry's apple orchard and get some apples, she would make apple roly-poly, he became a little more pleasant. Still, he watched every move his mother made in making the roly-poly. I mean to have a mouse roly-poly in the very near future, said he, and the next time I won't leave the pantry window unlocked. Chapter 7 It was very late that night when Jerry and Jenny went to bed. Of course, after the children came home, Jenny felt that they must each have a nice warm bath for she did not think much of Mr. Hootie's housekeeping. Then a big bowl of milk and some extra hugs and kisses, for it was so good to have them back. Then, after they were tucked snugly in their little beds, to pack up their household goods and get ready to move. Jerry and Jenny decided it would not be safe to live there any longer now that Hootie had found their home. His first visit was not quite successful, but his next might be... Next morning, after an early breakfast, Jerry, Jenny, and all the little ones moved out, and when Mr. Hootie called that evening, he found a for-rent sign on the path. Oh, Hootie. Maybe it's time you start being nice to other people. And goodness, an apple roly-poly sounds very good about now. Maybe I'm going to go and make one. I hope that you have had fun exploring the world of birds with me today. I love birds. I think they're fascinating. And I have lots of friends who go out into the woods specifically to look at birds. Maybe you could try that with some binoculars or just your eyeballs. Sit very still and look around and see how many different birds you can find. And listen, can you hear any birds? <laughs> I hope that you stay happy, stay healthy, and keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading. Until the day comes we meet again. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading my thoughts.